Well, I wonder how many of you are with me on that. How many of you have some worry or anxiety around the holidays? Anybody willing to raise your hand and admit to that? Good, good. We've got some honest people in the room. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you will be blessed uh, for being honest. Hey, um, how many of you would say that a lot of your anxiety around the holidays revolves around uh, gift shopping, gift giving, uh, that piece of it? Yeah, okay, good, good. How many of you have worry or anxiety that revolves around, like, what happens when your family gets together? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. A lot of people, a lot more than that. Well, I think there's so much anxiety and worry around the holiday season because there's so many dynamics involved in that, right? I mean, you've got a bunch of people that don't always get together, getting together, and then, and then maybe even, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe there are people in the room who have uh, worry or anxiety around the fact that, like, we're going to be alone again for Christmas this year, or, or, or maybe uh, that person, is, is there going to be the first year without him or without her at the table? And, and there's worry around that, you know. And so today, as we continue in our series called Shift, we're going to talk about how we gain a new perspective on worry. And my name is Steve Wall, and I'm the Carmel Campus Pastor, I'm the campus pastor at our Carmel Campus, and uh, I'm just excited to be with you again today. Uh, but as we do this, as we wrap up Shift, you know, we've been talking about the book of Philippians, uh, an, an incredible book, an awesome book. I hope I didn't just lose my place, but I know where Philippians is in here, so I think I'll be able to find it. And we've been asking God, as we go through this, we've been asking God to change our perspective on things. You know, we've, we've talked about how we change the way we think and we change the way we see, and today... Uh, we want to ask God to give us a new perspective on worry. And so we've been doing this every week, but as we've walked through the book of Philippians, you know, this is our fourth and final week in this series, uh, we've talked about kind of the history and the background to the book. And so I think it's important when we talk about worry this morning to understand the background of Philippians. So just as a reminder to all of us, uh, we know the book of Philippians is a letter, right, written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And we, we know from most historian accounts that the church in Philippi was planted by Paul uh, somewhere around 52 A.D., so right around maybe 20 years, give or take, after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and we know, uh, many theologians say, that, the, the, that Philippi, the church in Philippi, was Paul's favorite church. And it wasn't his favorite church because they loved the worship music. You know, they loved, he loved how uh, they'd sometimes do a stripped-down acoustic set, and then the next week they'd bring the whole band back. It wasn't that. It wasn't that they served the best bagels or coffee. But Paul loved the church in Philippi because he loved the people there. And clearly the people at the church in Philippi loved Paul, too, because we know that they had sent Paul a very generous financial gift. And when people love people, they're generous with people, right? And so uh, the church in Philippi had sent Paul this financial gift so he could continue his ministry. And so Paul wrote them this letter uh, that we now know as the book of Philippians to thank them. And so because Paul loved these people and because he was thankful, what we see is the, the overriding theme of the book of Philippians is joy. It's all about joy. And that's pretty amazing when you think about the circumstances uh, Paul finds himself in. Because right now, as Paul's writing this letter, he is in a prison in Rome. Uh, you guys have talked about that. I know we've talked about that. But Paul always wanted, ever since he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. Well, now he's there as a prisoner. And he's not just in prison, but he's in solitary confinement. And Paul finds himself chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every six hours, a new guard comes in and chains himself to Paul. So Paul, who always wanted to preach to the Romans, kind of finds himself now with a captive audience. He's got this one guard, these, these four or the four guards, these powerful men in the Roman Empire 
who we know what Paul's doing, right? We know that Paul is an evangelist. And we know he's telling them about Jesus because we know his character. But we also, he tells us that everybody here at the prison knows I'm in chains for Christ. And so I wonder, you know, Paul is chained to this Roman guard, these four Roman guards. But I wonder who's really the prisoner here, you know? These guys are hearing about Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he's telling them about it. So he can't get away from these these guards. But as we've been studying the book of Philippians, we've been asking you to read with us. We think it's so important that you read with us because on, on Sunday morning, uh, we can only cover the highlights. And so, you know, we hope as we go through series like this that you'll bring your Bible with you or your, your iPhone app or your iPad app or whatever you read your Bible on because, one... It's important for you to be able to read and see the context. And two, it's important for you to be able to make notes. And three, I, th- I think sometimes Paul Mumal just makes stuff up. And so you guys want to be able to know that he's like preaching from the word of God. So you want to bring that with you. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you might open them to Philippians uh, 4. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we have one for you. We would love for you to take. We have Bibles that look just like this at the info hub outside those doors. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, we want you to take one as our gift to you because we, as we go through these series, we'd love for you to read along uh, with us. Now, uh, Paul starts out chapter four, again, because the theme is, is joy. He starts out on an encouraging note. And I'm going to find my page here. And four one, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. And so as he starts to close this letter to the church, you know, his words of advice to his beloved people are this. Stand firm. Stand firm in the what? In the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Right. He says, have faith. Keep your head up. Stand firm. You know, stand firm in your belief because God's got this. Okay. That's what he's starting to say because he's going to, it's important that he starts that way, that he tells his audience, hey, I want you to stand firm because in just a minute, he's going to change his tone a little bit. He's going to change from talking about joy and encouragement uh, to talking about worry. You know, this is where uh, book four, chapter four, is where Paul starts to shift the tone of his letter to talk about worry. And it starts just down the page a bit in verse six. Uh, In uh, Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's helpful, isn't it? I mean, let me ask you something. If you are the anxious type, If somebody tells you not to be anxious, does that help you at all? Like if you're worrying and somebody says, hey, don't worry about it, do you automatically go, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't worry about that, right? It's kind of like, you know, if you're you're crying and somebody says, well, don't be upset about it, does that make you not upset? No, that's not very helpful, is it, Paul? Thanks a lot, you know. But, But really, if anybody had a reason to worry, it was Paul, right? I mean, he's in prison, maybe a worrisome situation. Right. And and he's not just in prison. He's in solitary. Right. And and he's planted all these little churches all around the Roman Empire that he loves. He's got these people that he loves. He's got these pastors that he put in place and he doesn't get to hear much about what's going on. And and plus, he knows that God has called him to preach the gospel to the Roman Empire. And he's stuck in this cell. So he's in this place where he can't be doing what he knows God's called him to do. So that could cause you to worry, right? If you're in this place where you know God's called you to do something and you can't be doing it. I mean, that's what Paul sees. But to top it all off, like he fears for his life because Paul knows any day a guard could come walking through that prison door and drag him away from his cell and take him to face the executioner. So really, Paul has a lot of reasons to be worried. And he understands, as he writes this book, to his beloved church, 
that we worry, that like even Christians worry, right? Well, we don't really worry. Uh, we get concerned, right? We, we, we know that we're not supposed to worry or be anxious, so we get concerned about things. We don't worry, we get concerned. Or maybe we would say like that we're troubled by something, right? Or, or maybe we're carrying a burden for something. But we don't get worried, we don't get anxious because we know the Bible tells us not to be anxious about anything. And so uh, we, we read that and, and we go, okay, we know, Paul knows that we might get worried. But, but fortunately, Paul doesn't stop with don't be anxious about anything. That's not where he stops his piece of advice. And he goes on uh, in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving... Present your request to God. So Paul isn't happy just telling us what not to do. He goes on to tell us what to do. He says, don't worry, but instead, in every situation, present your request to God. You know, Paul's saying, you remember God, don't you? Like the one who created the universe, right? The one who made you, the one who knows you, the one who loves you, the one that Scripture tells us has numbered the hairs on your head. That's how much he cares about you. That God right there, oh, him, yeah, he sees what's going on. You know, he knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's going on here, and he cares about it. I mean, God cares about what's going on in your life. It's like, you know, how many of you have kids? You know, if you have kids and your kid has a spelling test, do you care about the outcome of that? Yeah, of course you do, because you know that they're anxious about it sometimes, right? Or, or if your kid has a big game, you know, you get anxious about that a little bit if they're anxious about things. Or, or you know, maybe you've got something going on in a friend's life. You know, uh, they're waiting for the results of those tests to come back and you get worried about it, right? Because you, you get anxious about it because you care about them. Well, I would submit that God is the same way with us. He cares about the details of our lives. And so maybe instead of worrying about it, we should tell him about it. That's what Paul was saying. You see, most of us say, would say we worry. If I ask you why you worry, most of us would say we worry because we have problems, right? If I didn't have problems, I wouldn't have to worry, right? If I'd have won the Powerball this week, I wouldn't have any worries, right? But the truth is, most of us don't worry because we have problems. Most of us worry because we have problems we can't control, right? I mean, if we're going to have problems, we want to, we want to control that. Right? We want to be able to control the outcome. If something's going to happen, we want to know what's going to happen, and we want to be able to have control over what's going to happen. We, when we don't understand that, when we don't have control, that's when we start to worry. That's when we get anxious. And see, what you need to understand, what we all, I think, need to understand is when Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying what's going on in your life right now doesn't matter. He's not saying, you know what? It's not that big a deal. Just get over it. Just put on your big boy pants and deal with it. That's not what Paul is saying here. Instead, what he's saying is maybe you can't control your problems, but there's somebody who can. You know, there's someone who knows what's happened and what's happening and what's going to happen. And it's somebody who cares about you and you can trust him with it. In other words, Paul is reminding us of this truth, and this is in your notes, and uh, I'd love for you to write this down if you're that type. Paul is reminding us this. We don't have to worry about the what when we know the who. Okay, we don't have to worry about the what when we know the who. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you're 
pretty far out of your comfort zone. Like maybe it's at work or, or doing some task and you don't exactly know what's going to happen next or what needs to happen. And you want somebody who knows what they're doing to come alongside of you. You know what I'm talking about? You get one of those situations. Like for me, I remember the first time I ever uh, took a mission trip to Haiti a couple years ago. I went on this trip to Haiti and I was nervous. I was anxious. I'll admit it. I was worried about the uh, getting off the plane through the airport, getting my baggage through customs onto the bus part of the trip. Okay. I could handle the flight. No problem. Once we got there, I felt pretty good about what was going to happen on the ground. But that part from uh, the time we touched, wheels touched down in Port-au-Prince until the time we had our bags on the bus on the way to the mission, that part made me anxious. And I was leading, I was one of the leaders on this trip. And so uh, I knew I was not just responsible for getting myself on that bus, but all of our team and all of our luggage. And I had heard about the Port-au-Prince airport and how it's a little chaotic. Um, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when you get to the luggage uh, collection area in customs they kind of throw all the bags on the ground and you got to go sort through them and pick your bags out and then there's these guys that want to help you to your car and the way they help you as soon as you get through customs is they grab your suitcases and start taking them out to your vehicle and they they want a tip in return and I'd heard about all this and I knew that my team was there and I was like okay now how are we going to do this how are we going to manage so as I'm in line at customs and I've got my passport in one hand and my bag in the other and I'm looking around to make sure all our team's there and I hear this like commotion come through the exit door of customs. Uh, there's a door that on the, on the door clearly says no admittance, and I see a man walking through that door, and all the activity in customs stops. And this man walking through, I look, and, and I recognize his face, and it's Esperon Dupierre, who is the pastor at Nehemiah Vision Ministries, who's our partner down in Haiti. And, and I knew him, and I knew he knew me, and I recognized his face, and here's what had happened. He walked through this door that clearly says no admittance, He walked through it the right way and people are hugging him and the customs guys and giving him high fives and telling him stories and he's telling them stories and and we're all waiting in line. There's nobody there to help us now because they're all saying hi to Pastor Pierre. But I knew at that point that we were going to be okay because here was this familiar face. Here was this guy and clearly he knew what was going on and he was here to help me. There was a who that knew, right? And so... I no longer had to worry about the what because there was a who that knew. This is not a Dr. Seuss poem, but there was a who that knew what was going to happen. So so many of us worry about the control that we have. You know, we worry about what happens if those tests come back negative or positive. Or what happens if, you know, my kids don't grow up to be who I think they should be. Or what happens if I lose my job. What happens if, if... If, but in our lives, Paul is telling us we don't have to worry about the what when we know the who. In fact, if we know the who, Paul reminds us that we should never worry about the what. In fact, I'm going to use a word that might make you a little uncomfortable. If you're somebody that tends to worry, I'm going to apologize in advance, but the Bible talks about this enough that I believe that worry is a sin. In fact, I would say that worry is the sin of not trusting God. Now, a lot of times I understand that we can, talk, we can sit up here and we can talk about things that are sins. And we can talk about lying or adultery or idolatry or something that you don't deal with every day. And you can agree with me and you'll nod your head. Yep, that's a sin. Absolutely, that's a sin. And I don't deal with it, but it's a sin. I understand that. You know, it's okay when I'm just driving down your street. You know what I'm saying? 
But, but when I talk about worry, that hits pretty close to home, right? Like, you didn't know as I was driving down your street that I had your garage door code. Like, and I opened up your door and I came into your house and walked into your kitchen and opened up your refrigerator, made myself a sandwich and sat down on your couch. I mean, it hits close to home when we talk about worry being a sin, right? But worry is the sin of not trusting God. Because if we really knew the who, if we really understood what Scripture says about him, that, that we believe that he's in control and we believe that God loves us, you know, that he's crazy about us, that God is for us, then we shouldn't be anxious about anything, but instead we should tell him about everything and let him handle it because he can handle it. But when we don't believe that, when we see things that are out of our control, that's when we start to worry. I remember a couple years ago, I was sitting on my couch uh, winding down from an evening at work, and um, my youngest daughter, Audrey, was in the next room in the office, and she was typing a letter on the computer. She was typing a note to her mom, and I heard this uh, crash that sounded like somebody falling and, and a scream and then a cry. And, and I remember I, I bolted off the couch to see what was wrong, and I got into the office, and there was Audrey laying on the floor with the office chair on top of her and the keyboard uh, clutched tightly in her hand. And so I, I was sure that she had fallen down. So I went to go pick her up and help her up, and I said, What's wrong, honey? What's wrong? And she said, The thing won't go back in the middle. I said, The thing won't go back in the What are you talking about? And she said, You know, the blinky thing. And I looked up at the computer and the cursor was all the way to the left. And I could see as she was typing this letter, she was trying to have all the text be aligned in the center. And the cursor was at the left and she couldn't get it to go back to the center. And I, I kind of sighed because I was relieved, right? Because like this was a problem I could solve. Like I knew how to do I had this one. As a dad, you know, you look for problems that you can solve. This was one I could solve. And so I, I you know, I'd done it before, maybe a few times. And so I looked at her and I said, honey... Just hand me the keyboard and I'll show you how to fix it. And she looked at me with like tears running down her face and and her red, bright cheeks. And she said, no, dad, I don't think you can. And that was an insult to me, right? Because this was a problem I had solved numerous times and she didn't trust me to handle it. Do you see the connection? You know, I know of one pastor who says that worry is like saying to God, I know you're in control, but I think I can deal with this better than you can. You know, and so Paul says in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request before God, give it to God. So when you're not sure how those test results are going to come back, don't worry, give it to God. You know, when you're at the end of the rope with your teenage daughter, or your teenage son, you don't worry about it but give it to God. When you can't figure out which bills to pay, when you don't know if your marriage is going to make it, don't worry. Give it to God. He knows. He hears you. He knows your heart. He's got it. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, God's got this one. Just like the last one. Yeah. See, the awesome thing about this, the awesome thing about this piece of scripture is this. Like, there's a promise tied to it. You know, in Philippians 4, 6, uh, there's a promise tied to this piece of Scripture. You know, there's, it's not very often in God's Holy Scripture where we can look at it and we can automatically see a tie, a cause and effect relationship. There aren't very many places in Scripture where it says, if you sow this seed, you will reap this reward. If you perform this action, you will see this reaction. But this is one, and it's right here, and it's right in the very next verse. And so if we look at Philippians 4, 6, 
It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then verse seven says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends, which which overcomes, which exceeds all understanding. Doesn't that sound good right now? If you're worried about something, if you're anxious about something, doesn't the peace of God, like the supernatural peace, this calmness of heart, doesn't that sound like exactly what you need right now? I mean, well, that's a promise for you. If you can allow yourself not to be anxious, but instead to pray about things, you know, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, if you can be thankful and pray, then the peace of God will be yours. It will guard your heart and your mind. And isn't that exactly what you need? You know, I want to make clear as we walk through this message that I'm not just pointing fingers at you uh, because I struggle with worry too. Hi, my name's Steve and I'm a worrier, you know. I mean, I, I used to worry that I wouldn't be able to provide for my family. That's a typical guy worry, all right? I worried about that. And then, you know, as I succeeded a little bit more, I got worried about other things. Like I worried that my work didn't make a difference. Like I couldn't really have an impact in the world. And then as my relationship with God grew, as I, as I trusted him more, as I prayed more, as I read more scripture, and I started worrying less. But then we had girls uh, who grew up and, and they're maturing and they're getting close to puberty. And they have friends that are getting close to puberty. And sometimes I'm a basket case. But every time I read this passage, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, I'm filled with hope. I mean, just knowing that there's this direct cause and effect relationship that says this. And I wrote this in your notes. And if you take nothing away from this morning, I hope you'll take this away. It's this. The less I worry and the more I pray, the more I feel peace. The less I worry, the more I pray, the more I feel peace. There's another scripture in the New Testament that talks about this. Um, and I love it, and I, I don't know if I've got my page marked here, but it's First Peter 5, First uh, Peter 5, 7, and it says it this way. You know, the apostle, it's not just the Apostle Paul that talks about this. It's Peter that talks about us too, but, but Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I love that, that Peter says it this way, says cast, you know, because Peter's a fisherman, right? And when you think about fishermen at that time, they would cast their bread on the water, and then they come along behind with their net and, and scoop up the fish, right? But even today, when we think about fishing, we think about casting, don't we? We think about having a rod and reel and, you know, casting. And if you think about casting your cares away, you can think about casting those cares away. Now, I remember when uh, I got my first fishing rod. I was probably 10 years old, and my mom got it for me. And uh, I had never been fishing, but I got this fishing rod. And I remember the very first thing I did was I wanted to learn how to cast, right? And when you learn how to cast, guys, you want to learn how to cast what? Far away, right? I mean, that's what you want to learn. It's not about accuracy. It's about distance when you're learning to cast. And so uh, I took my fishing rod and reel in my front yard, and I put a couple sinkers on the end of the line. And I would just practice, like, casting as far as I could. And then as soon as that sinker hit the ground, I would reel it back in. And then I'd cast as far as I could. And as soon as that sinker hit the ground, I'd reel it back in. And I just, I practiced that for, for days on end. And then a few weeks later, I remember my mom took me fishing. It was the first time I'd ever been fishing. And um, I got, in, got on the shore and I put the bait on the hook and I casted that line out there and I reeled it right back in. And I casted it out and I reeled it right back in. And my mom said, no, no, no. You got to leave it out there till something happens. 
And I thought, how many times do we cast our worries on God and then we just reel it right back in? Like, we leave it out there, but if, but if nothing's happening, like if, if things aren't happening fast enough for us, we're just going to reel it back in. We're going to try again, right? I'll reel it back in. I'll cast it again. And I'll, I'm really good at casting that care away. My friend, I've got a friend that calls those prayers with claw marks on them, right? Like I, I, I pray that away, but then I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep clawing it back, you know. But fortunately, Paul anticipated this. You know, he knows that we're prone to let worry seep back in over time. He knows that we can't just get rid of worry, right? You have to replace it with something. Because if, if you try to get rid of worry, if you try to cast it away, but then you leave that, that open spot, then something's going to creep back in, and it's often worry. I mean, that's why he says that, that it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What does it need to guard it from? Well, it needs to guard your heart and mind from worry creeping right back in. And so if you pray about that, I mean, have, have you ever just tried to empty your brain of something? Like, do you ever try to not think about something? Like if I said right now, hey, don't think about a pink elephant. What are you thinking about? Most of you are thinking about a pink elephant, right? Because it's impossible to not think about something you're trying not to think about. I, here's a really bad analogy, okay? This is a really bad, not at all scriptural uh, or biblical analogy, but I think you'll remember it. Okay, how many of you have seen the movie Ghostbusters? All right, now, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about Ghostbusters 3, okay? I'm talking about the original 1984, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, uh, Rick Moranis, Sigourney Weaver. You know what I'm talking about, right? Ghostbusters, number one, 1984. Okay, this movie, at the very end of the movie, the, the Ghostbusters are on top of a building. Okay, I told you this is not biblical, right? So don't, you know, this is not scripture. This is just me. So the Ghostbusters are on top of this building, and uh, Rick Moranis' character tells them to choose their destroyer. And then Egon Spengler, who's uh, Harold Ramis' character, says, you've got to empty your mind of everything. Don't think about anything. Do you remember what happens? Like Ray Stance, who's Dan Aykroyd's character, thinks of the one thing that as a child could never hurt him, right? And so at the end of the movie, here comes this giant, what? Stay puff marshmallow man, right? Because you cannot empty your brain. Something's always going to creep in there. Okay, I told you it wasn't scriptural, but I bet you remember the stay puff marshmallow man when you go to lunch today. It's hard to empty your mind to get rid of worry. And if you don't replace it with something else, worry will creep back in. So you need something to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, Paul anticipates that. And so he gives us further instruction in Philippians 4.8. He says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, so instead of worrying about your grades, maybe you think about what is true. I didn't really study very hard. and I know I've got more potential and I can do better next time. You know, instead of worrying about the things you don't have, Think about the blessings you do have. That's noble, right? You know, instead of being anxious about what might happen, maybe you need to take the posture that I'm going to be thankful for what has happened. You know, maybe you think about the good that could come out of that situation. But, but one of the things, the thing that I think is the greatest antidote to worry is worship. I mean, I think worship is the antidote to worry. In other words, when we think about, when we ponder, when we contemplate the worthiness of God, the power of God, the incredible grace of God, it's impossible to worry. You know, when we come in this room on a Sunday morning, that's why we sing. 
You know, that's why we pray. We're, we're so in awe of this God who made us and who loves us and who rules over the earth and who sent his son, his only son, to die for us so that our sin can be forgiven. And we are in awe of that. Why would this all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God do that? And so we're so amazed by that that we can't help but sing the words to these songs and to pray. And when we get in here, to sing at the top of our lungs and to stretch out our hands and, and lift our hands. And it, it doesn't matter, like, if you want to use some, like, grace reception device like some of us do. Like, if you want to, you know, use the grace antenna when you worship or, or the rabbit ears, you know, or, you know, maybe you're a little more modern to use the satellite dish, you know, for worship or the, you know, if you're really cool, you might use the mini dish, you know, when you worship, but... We don't do it because it's cool or because everybody else is doing it. We do it because we believe in these songs and the lyrics to these songs that we sing. And they talk about the grace of God and the power of God and the strength of God and the love of God. And because we believe in those things, we do it. And, and so it doesn't matter like what your physical posture is. It's, it's the posture of your heart. It's what you're focusing on. It's what you're thinking about that matters. And worship is an incredible antidote to worry. And don't get me wrong, I know it's really easy on a Sunday morning to come in here when I'm up here preaching and think, that's it. You know, he's right, I'm not going to worry anymore. Or, or when, when the band's up here singing, whether it's the full, you know, eight-piece uh, band or it's just Cameron and Carissa up here singing and they're singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And you to think, he is, he's holy, I know he's got this, I am not going to worry anymore. It wouldn't be awesome if when you left here, if like Cameron and Carissa would just follow you around. And so, like, when you get into that situation on Monday, uh, when you start to worry, if, if Carissa would just belt out, holy, 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 and you're like, thank you, okay, thanks for getting me back in my happy place. Or, or maybe if I'd follow you around and I'd just say, hey, Bible says, don't worry, you, nobody would like that, right? But, but wouldn't it be cool if you had some, some device to remind you? Because what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to get in a situation and you're going to be worried about something. And so how do you replace that with what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy? You should think about those things. Anxiety is not any of those things. Worry is not any of those things. And like the first verse we talked about, 4.6, there's a promise attached to this too, and it comes in Philippians 4.9. Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, I, I thought as we close today, I, I might give you a practice. I, I might give you a way to think about uh, getting rid of anxiety. So here's what I want to do. I know at this point in the service, a lot of you tend to um, like start packing your stuff up and that's okay. But we do this. If you've got like a pencil or pen in your hand, we just put it down. If you're holding your phone or your iPad or whatever, put it down or your Bible, put everything down. I want your hands free. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to feel what it feels like when we worry. Okay. So I want you to just imagine, everybody close your eyes for a minute. You just imagine that in your hand is whatever it is you're worried about right now. Okay. Just I want you to feel that in your hand. I want you to hold that and feel the weight of it. And here, just for a minute, what we're going to do is let's just put both of your fists out in front of you and clench those fists. I want you to clench them tight. I want you to feel the fingernails like digging into the heel of your hand. I want you to feel this is what it feels like when we worry, okay? 
You can feel that. And then I want you to, to feel like to tense up your biceps, like flex real hard because it's going to go all the way up into your arms, go up into your chest and flex those pecs. I want you to flex that chest and feel guys like you're looking in the mirror, you know, flex that your whole upper body should be stiff, right? And I want you to grit your teeth. This is the last thing, because when we have that posture of worry, we sometimes get so worried, we grit our teeth. And so I want you to grit your teeth. Your, the, everything above your waist right now should be tight and tensed, and you should feel that feeling you have when you have anxiety. Because here's what we're going to do in just a minute together. We're going to feel what it feels like to let something go to God, okay? And so everything's tight. Your fists are clenched. Your muscles are flexed. Your teeth are gritted. And we're going to feel right now what it feels like to release our hands, to hold them up in the air, and just to release something to God. Okay, here we go together on the count of three. Everybody, one, two, three. Release that. Release that. 